Hello and welcome to another episode of Raven Conversations, the show where we bring you the news and information around the Washington National Guard. I'm Jason Kreis from the Public Affairs Office. Today's episode is a special one. It's Pride Month here, and we invited a few members of the LGBTQ community to come in and talk about their experiences serving openly in the military today. We talked with Chief Warrant Officer 4, Valerie Mariano, whose story spans several decades, First Lieutenant Johanna Larkhart, a transgender woman who works at Recruiting and Retention Battalion, Captain Callie Kianis, also an RRB, and Travis Linares Hengen, who works in the Emergency Management Division. Travis's story is particularly compelling as he was actually discharged under the Don't Ask, Don't Tell policy, a policy that has since been rescinded and now allows LGBTQ service members to serve without repercussions. I think this is probably the most open, honest, and candid discussion that we've ever had on this podcast. I hope the stories and experiences you will hear in this conversation will help enlighten you to the hardships that these service members endured during their careers and still continue to go through. There is much work still to be done. I learned some new things, and I hope you do as well. I would like to preface the show with a bit of a warning. Some of the language can be offensive to some listeners, so consider yourself forewarned. And now I bring you Pride in Service. Would they kick? Would, would they kick you out if you were like joined in like the eighties? Yeah. Yeah, but so if you it, like when they started it, they would kick you, you out. You couldn't disclose. Right. Uh, oh, okay. You couldn't that point, it, was, it was a disqualifying it was a, yeah. characteristic, right? It was, a, yeah. it was a question on the form. It says, "Are you homosexual?" And of course, I lied. <laughs> What do you do? Yeah, yes. I, I lied too. And did not come in? Because I, I, I had a lie too. You're missing yeah. it. Yeah. Oh, okay. There <laughs> I'm recording. That's a great way to start the conversation. Right there. Yeah. What, there that I had to lie? <laughs> I lied to the federal government? <laughs> so we got liar, liar, liar. Hands on fire. <laughs> Anyways, thank you, all of you, for being here today. Um, I'll... Go around the room. I'll start with my left, and we'll go over this way. I'll Just start like a over quick, no, no, no. quick introduction. I'm shy. You're not shy. <laughs> You're right. I'm not. Quick introduction of who you are, where you work. Uh, my name is Captain Kelly Kianis. Uh, currently, I'm the State Retention OIC. Uh, so I work for the Recruiting Retention Battalion here in the Washington Army National Guard. Uh, my name is uh, First Lieutenant Johanna Lockhart. Um, I work with uh, social media for uh, recruiting for the Washington Army National Guard, um, and I am an assistant operations officer for um, the 303rd Cavalry Squadron. Cool. Hello, my name is CW4 Promotable Valerie Mariano. I work for the G4. I'm a property book officer, and I'm assigned to Joint Force Headquarters. Travis Lenars hanging. I am the Human Services Program Supervisor for Washington State Emergency Management Division. So, so everybody knows it's June, it's Pride Month, and this is, this, it feels like this is the first time that we're, as an organization, celebrating it and, and telling your guys' stories. So I'll, I'll just throw it out there and just ask, anybody can chime in however they, you know, whatever they want. Um, what does Pride Month mean to you personally? Who's going first? <laughs> anybody. Oh God! Well, People we, are looking at me, and no, I spoke first. Well, so. I think it's funny we were we were commenting in, on it earlier because I know that there is um, 
I don't want to say like a super huge like gay community, but there's obviously gay people in the military. There's gay people in the Washington Army National Guard, and so some of us tend to you know know each other. Um, and and the fact that I don't think this is probably the first time we've done as an organization some sort of Pride event or kind of spotlighting the month of June uh, for Pride is a little bit. I don't know if I'm embarrassed, but it's interesting because I know that there's people out here that participate in in Pride. Um, in other locations at other venues, but never here. So this is really exciting, and it's it's really cool to see. Um, I think to me personally, it's really important to make sure that we just kind of spotlight the fact that there there is a gay community, um, well, an LGBTQ community in the Washington Army National Guard, and that you know um, we let soldiers know so that they know that this is a safe space, and there's always people that they can talk to. So. That's what pride means to me, I guess. <laughs> um, a way I like to think about it, there was a documentary I watched a long time ago, or I think I went, I heard it, or maybe it was at like Pride 2019. That was my first Pride event a few years ago, and then COVID happened and shut down Pride 2020. Um, so, yeah. Um, I like to think of pride as the opposite of shame. So Pride means um, being proud of who you are and who you love and what you like to do and not letting mainstream community, not letting the cishets tell you um, how you should be or um, what makes you happy. So that's what it means to me. And cishet, for those who don't understand or maybe have never heard that before, is straight, you know, they're, they're, they're... they're comfortable in their own body, right? That's, or that's a way of... to think. Uh, that's a way to think about it. So cisgender is anyone who's not transgender. So when we're born, we're all assigned male or female. Um, and if you don't agree with that, you're transgender. Mm. Um, and then het is heterosexual. So if you're cis het, you're cisgender and heterosexual. Okay. So. I didn't know that. Wow. The and more you know. The more you know. <laughs> Education. Here we go. So I, I think of Pride Month as, as a way to, to celebrate where we are and the successes we've, we've made, especially in the military community, in the military um, world. Um, you know, looking back 20 years ago, definitely we're not where we are now. And so, so I think it's an opportunity to celebrate where we are um, and, and the accomplishments we've made. Um, but by no means is, uh, are we done yet. We have a lot, a lot of work to do. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you you did bring up a good an interesting point 20 years ago like um that was when during the clinton administration when they uh, instituted don't ask don't tell um and you have a personal kind of story regarding that can you tell us a little bit sure, about that sure absolutely so i joined the army in 1991 uh prior to the don't ask don't tell policy that was um brought on by president clinton um uh, the president had brought it on and, and started this enacted this policy with good intentions, but it quickly back uh, backfired, and so um, many people were were getting discharged under the "Don't Ask, Don't Tell" just uh, just for who they were, and and there were there were witch hunts and everything that were the the law was supposed to protect people from, but it didn't, and so um, and I was also one of those. After about twelve years of serving, um, I was I was discharged under the "Don't Ask, Don't Tell" policy. Can I, I'm just like interested because um i knew you had sent out some questions earlier and i I was thinking about that when i i first joined um it was a little bit closer to when don't ask don't tell was repealed but it was still in effect when i joined and 
I remember hearing stories like that, like witch hunts and and things. So, you know, going through like a leadership program and and knowing in the back of your head that these things happen to leaders, you know, being afraid of like punishing somebody because they might turn around and be like, oh, you're gay, you know, and then now just because they were mad that you punished them, maybe rightly so, um, you know, you could end your career and just like being in an environment where you know that's like ever present like something i thought about but never had to experience but it sounds like you actually did yeah, yeah. and it, it was it, there was everybody who were, were discharged under the don't ask don't tell policy has their own story and, and i don't want to pretend that i know all of their stories um but for for me what happened was um i was not feeling like i could be myself and after several deployments overseas uh, and being with people who could celebrate their their loved ones as who they were, their wives or or husbands or girlfriends or boyfriends as who they truly were, I couldn't do that. And and so, um, uh, and I finally decided that it wasn't right for me to continue that. So I actually I told, knowing that that was going to be the consequence. Wow. Wow. Okay. So. 1991 is when you said you started. So my career in the guard, um, my career in the military started in 1979. At 17 years old, as a high school senior, joined the military just because I felt the call to serve, not for any other reason. Um, I, brought a, I brought a friend of mine into the guard with me, and he was also gay. Uh, and so we came in on the buddy program, you know. So then I went to basic training in AIT, and it didn't really, I mean, I was who I was, and I didn't really care at that point, really. I didn't really care what people thought. I didn't, I never talked about it, but I never cared about what they thought or what they thought of me, um, even if I was wearing men's Aloha shirts and, um, and you know, angel flight pants. I mean, I didn't still care. I didn't care what anybody else thought. Mm -hmm. And then, so six years I spent in the Hawaii Army National Guard. And, and, and I, I, I'll say that being in Hawaii is, I think, was, was a benefit because they weren't, we weren't as shunned as much as maybe in the mainland. Um, I, because, you know, I started at 14. I was in high school. Um, I seen my my freshman year, when I declared that I was gay, and um, I, you know, and at, I was really self-centered, and I really didn't care what anybody <laughs> thought. <laughs> and um, you know, so that's kind of how I, I lived my career in the military. It wasn't who I was, and you, you didn't, you didn't have to know me. You didn't have to know my sexual affiliation. All you had to know was how I performed my job. And that's the only thing I ever capitalized on while I was in the military. It's like, I'm here for a reason. I'm not here to make friends. I don't care if you like me or dislike me. I'm here to do a job, and that's what my intent is, and that's what mm -hmm. I did. And that's been my career. For me, that's what I was banking on would save me. It was my, you know, me being able to do my job. I was a counterintelligence warrant officer. So I did counterintelligence, and I was previously um, an interrogator. And so go, the timing of it was right at the beginnings of the war. So in, in start, started in my my discharge process and um, was started in 2002, um, and it lasted almost a year, which was a horrible experience that I wish on nobody. 
um, and go, leading up to to the war starting in 2003, um, you know, it, I was hoping that my my um, great work history and in my you know my knowledge would get me there, but it, it didn't. Didn't. I'm sorry. You know, you, some most of you had to live with a secret, and, and secrets can weigh on a person. Doesn't matter what it is. You know, um, you had to voluntarily come out. And what was it that, what was it like leading up to that? What was it that uh, during that time for you? So one of, one of the things that really kind of put me to a place where I was like, I need to do this um, just to be myself and, and not have to hide anything is I was, I was uh, it was right after September 11th. Um, I was sent to the um, border of Iraq. I was into Kuwait, into, onto the border of Iraq with the anticipation of, of invading Iraq. And I took a team of, of human intelligence folks over there to, to, to work. And I had been deployed before. I was in the Balkans. I'd been to Kuwait before. Um, and so the deployment was nothing new. But what was new was, um, to me, because I hadn't been out previously, um, was having to be there and watch my coworkers, colleagues have um, pictures and stories about their wives and girlfriends and boyfriends and husbands and so forth, and have those pictures next to their 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 cots. Um, I had a picture of, of a friend who was not my my boyfriend, who is now my husband. So I had a picture of somebody else, not even um, you know my boyfriend. To pretend that I had a girlfriend when in fact I had a boyfriend. See, that's what a lot of I think a lot of people just don't realize. You know, is is the the the, the family aspect of it. You know, um, family. You know, family programs, uh, unit get-togethers with you know cookouts and stuff like that. You, you know, having to hide something like that is just kind of way. Well, then there's so there's much. other things too. There's like you know in that situation you know, deployed in a combat zone like if anything happened to you like your significant other gets nothing or you get transferred mm-hmm. to a hospital they can't even go and like request to like see you or you know um just legal stuff and legal in, uh, interpretation of what is marriage what is not marriage like you're not entitled to any of that mm-hmm. um at that time right yeah, right so um this, like i guess it's like a sense of fairness or whatever not just being able to you know, highlight this person you care about, your significant other, in a, in a public forum. But you know, even the very real effects of like what happens if something happens to me, and they get nothing. Mm-hmm. You know, like nothing to show for for your service or your sacrifice to the country. Uh, and one of the worst experiences, the worst feelings I had was upon redeployment, getting off the airplane after after being gone for so oh, long, no. not having him there. And not being allowed to be there, so everybody was having their families there to celebrate their return, and I had nobody. I'm sorry. And that would bother me too. Yeah. That kind of reminds me a little bit about what we were talking about earlier today about like the community having our our family is so it can be especially in that time it can be so different, especially like. Historically, I we think about the AIDS crisis. Uh, so often, people's families were their queer communities and things like that. Kind of some of the discourse around pride is like, why are they like that? It's because they have no one else supporting them, and they have to be like that. So mm-hmm. that's 
yeah, I can, I, you can apply that to the military and just how normative that it was at that time and it still is to, at some point, some points today. So, wow, that's a good story. But, you know, again, that makes me think about why do we celebrate pride? And we've yeah. made a lot of progress since then. Um, you know, again, we're nowhere near where we need to be, but we have made a lot of progress uh, with the repeal of Don't Ask, Don't Tell and in, in, um, in being able to serve openly. Um, but our, our, you know, our transgendered uh, friends um, don't get the same, um, you know, benefit as, as mm-hmm. the rest of us do. So we've got a lot of work to do. Yeah. I never thought I'd see the day. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> I did not. I really didn't think I'd see this day. And this is the first year ever that, you know, public affairs year, we're actually celebrating Pride Month when that was never I mean, we've never done this. This is this is pretty historic. So pretty years past, I mean, like, what were your your thoughts of why why aren't we, do, why aren't we even celebrating to, it? What, what, why are we celebrating? Why aren't why aren't we, or why haven't we been celebrating it? What what have you thought years prior? Years prior. Be honest. I really believe that it wasn't accepted um, more than it is today. I mean. It, it was not acceptable. It was it was wrong. It was shameful. It was not the norm. Um, it was all of those other words. But you're a human being, just like everybody else, and you have a life and family, just like everybody else. I mean, so it was. It just wasn't accepted, and because of that, and because of how of the length of time that I've dealt with this, I even myself was a homophobe i mean you know i was like internalized internalized it was like oh no um no you know we can't do this no we don't do this in public i mean because of that um and if i went to pride parade in seattle because we had some magnificent ones i mean years past but i'd make sure that i'd stay out of the limelight you know that i was in the behind the scenes and i wasn't the one on camera being caught there you know, because you're worried about something in the military recognizing exactly, yeah, yeah. exactly. And mm-hmm. I was like, no, you, no, this is my other side. This is the, my other self. It's not my military self, but I'm one in the same. Mm-hmm. You were talking about you know just progress and and how how far we've come, and you know we still have stuff that needs to be done, um, but. I, I was commenting earlier about how it's actually this building. The the latrines down the hallway have a little plaque on the door now that say, you know, if you, you know, please feel free to use uh, whichever latrine closely aligns with your, your gender identity or your preferred gender. And I remember the day that they hung those up, I was walking down the hallway and I saw those and I was like, wow, this is like, this is change. And it mm-hmm. seems like such a small, like insignificant thing, but it wasn't like, not even 12, 12 years ago, maybe that like not even that we weren't even allowed to just talk about it. Now mm-hmm. here it is on a sign, like permanently affixed to the door. And mm-hmm. I was like, that's super cool. And I got all excited about it. I took a picture of it and I was sending it to a bunch of my friends. They were like, wow, dude, cool. It's a sign. I was like, no, like yeah. it's a, that's a big deal. It's huge. And nobody cares. Right. <laughs> <laughs> I have not heard a single thing about it. You know, like, like, you know, crosstalk, like all oh, that stupid sign, you know, I haven't heard a single thing. So. 
Well, nobody ideally, cares. you'd get to a world where yeah. you don't need the sign. Nobody's right. sitting here having you know spending spending yeah, brain that, cells. That, that, on. that brings up a question: like, yeah. like when does this when does when when is this over? Like, how, like what is the progress of change to where it you know is it just uh, it's future utopia where everybody just like <laughs> you know like what's what's the end end game or, or there is no end game or end state equality i mean like i think the history of prejudice is still so fresh um I don't know. That's a really good question. I don't know. I don't think there is an end game until <laughs> who knows, like yeah. when there's a trans president, like I wouldn't even say that. Like, honestly, it's equality knows? is, is, is so fragile though. I mean, especially with varying administrations, it can change so quickly, especially when it comes to, to the military. And we've seen that mm -hmm. we've seen that we made progress. We thought we made progress with allowing transgender troops to, to serve, but then, but then that was quickly, Old. And so it is, mm -hmm. it is a fragile state. And so we, we can't forget that. Yeah. We've made a couple of posts so far. We have a lot more planned, uh, for social media. Um, and we've, we've already gotten some, some comments, you know, from, from people saying, why aren't we, uh, <laughs> why we're, we're, we're being biased because we're giving, you know, show, we're, we're highlighting this community as opposed to cishets, right? <laughs> exactly <laughs> to to put a fine point on it you know it's like what do you what do you what do you guys say to those that individual or somebody like how do you how do you explain or try to argue your point in in that well they should feel lucky that they don't live in a society where they have to celebrate that as a success um in that they get to live every day that way and, yeah. and celebrate every day I, would, I mean, <laughs> uh, I would say learn your history, learn why that this needs to be celebrated. We were talking earlier today, people, someone who doesn't, hasn't studied the community, talk to people. If you just show up at a pride event, like learning today, I, I saw there was, there was a meme or like a video once and there was this guy at a pride parade and he was walking around and someone's like, how many genders are there? And his answer is, I don't know. I just got here. <laughs> Like, that's really the best response is to learn some history, talk to people, and figure out why things are the way they are. So if you're going to ask why isn't there um, a – I mean, Google exists. Google, why isn't there a straight pride month? And there's people putting on straight pride parades. and ooh. Yeah, so think think about how people who <laughs> who aren't in the default settings gang, how they've been treated yeah. and um, why you think th uh, that we may be – Acting the way that we're acting now. That's what I have to say. Mm -hmm. Or I think there, there. I remember seeing some comments about, like, specific to the military and, and LGBTQ oh, yeah, yeah. folks in the military, um, where they're saying things like, well, I don't, I don't have any problem with pride, or I don't have, but why do you have to, you know, mix up military in it? And I think it becomes a question of, you know, we, we spend a lot of time and money and training soldiers and trying to um, cultivate, like, the, the best fighting force in the world. Um, and part of that is mental health and overall, you know, physical and emotional well-being. We know about things like PTSD. We know about things like, 
you know, when people experience trauma, the suicide rates go through the roof. And we know that when you have a mentally and physically healthy person, they are a much higher performer. And, you know, any of the individuals in the gay community also fall into that category as well. And, and to exclude that group or, or not recognize that these people have made a conscious decision to serve their country, you know, um, and, and their physical and mental well-being is just as important as everybody else's. Um, yeah, it goes back to the point earlier about having a secret and having it weigh upon you and how that affects your mental, you know, health. Um, yeah. And also, from a history standpoint, we'll bring it up, <laughs> recognize that, that there's been gays in the military for hundreds of years. Uh, oh, one for of sure. The, one of the preeminent uh, major generals in our military was brought over by George Washington from from Germany, um, I, I Googled him just to make sure I said his name right, Frederick uh, Wilhelm von Steuben, who, uh, who uh, was going to get prosecuted in Germany uh, for being a homosexual, and George Washington knew that he was, um, you know, the Revo Revolutionary War was going on at this time, and George Washington knew that he um, was a brilliant uh, military tactician, and he, for you know, shaped... Uh, the way we drill, the way we um, look at tactics on the battlefield and stuff. For the next hundred years of our army, he was ingrained in, like, his military prowess and, and philosophy was ingrained in in, in our very first army. Um, and, and, you know, he was, <clears throat> I think, on record, probably, in all likelihood, a homosexual. I think he had a couple aide-de-camps that he, he fa favored and... But, but yeah, I mean, that is a, a contribution, and it, it started with a gay guy. Also, I thought it was a little <laughs> bit entertaining to read. If you read about him, he, uh, he also was one of the first IGs, and he went through the, the Revolutionary War camps and, and saw that, you know, the, uh, the camps were in an unhealthy state or in disarray, and so he came up with plans to... to um, move the camp and redesign the organizational structure of a camp so that, you know latrines were away from the kitchens and stuff. So I just thought it was kind of funny that the gay, yes, right, the gay guy, you know, is doing like uh, a queer eye for the straight guy on the military camp, like making everything, sure everything's clean, orderly, and feng shui. So. Yeah. <laughs> for the health and betterment of soldiers. That's right. Of course. Yeah. That's interesting. I didn't, no. I didn't know that. Yeah, my, Sorry. Uh, um, yeah, when you're talking about, you know, gays in the military and in history uh, my uh, my wife's i think his great uncle or uncle recently passed away but he was in world war ii and um, had a phenomenal life you know he's just love talking to him he had a lot of great stories to tell anybody have any any advice you want to give to anybody else uh, I, I'll uh, do a little shout out to one of my favorite organizations who's been kind of trailblazing the battle for transgender service members, um, Sparta. You can look up Sparta Trans on Google and or Facebook. Um, their president right now is uh, Air Force Lieutenant Colonel Bree Fram. Um, and they've got lots of initiatives and stories and things like that going mm -hmm. on. Because um, there's a lot of... of um, discourse going on right now around uh, trans people in the military, trans people doing sports and things like that, and lots of legislation fighting against us. So take a look at Sparta. Um, learn, learn you something. So <laughs> anyways, yeah. Speaking of um, 
uh, programs that help you know push a um, policy or help change policy. You did. Um, you said you worked a little bit on a repeal of Don't Ask, Don't Tell in Washington D.C. Can you talk about what what kind of work you did, Travis? Yeah. So um, I'll, I'll start off by saying that after I was discharged, how just angry I was at the military. So I wanted nothing to do with it for yeah. many years and. And um, I, when I was getting discharged, I had um, worked with the Service Members Legal Defense Network, who um, ended up representing me as my attorney during this process. And um, and so um, they had wanted me to go public with it right away, but I, I couldn't in, for many years. And uh, and so I, uh, my friend who I mentioned earlier, who also was discharged, um, he he finally convinced me to become a little more vocal after several years of being out. And, um, and he did a lot of speaking events for the human rights campaign and they had invited me to do, um, um, we had a, a, essentially it was called a lobby day in, in DC. So I was invited there to go and, and, um, and make our rounds around, um, Congress to, to lobby for the repeal of don't ask, don't tell. And that got me started, and then I did a lot of public speaking events in in just at the time I was living in Massachusetts. So I did a lot of public speaking events in Massachusetts with now another good, really good friend of mine, Eric Alva, who some of you might know, um, who was the first um, first uh, um, injured person. Um, he was a Marine injured in in the war and lost his leg, and is also gay, and he um, and he has done a ton of of work and public speaking. So he and I did some events together in Massachusetts and then, and I would go back and forth to DC to do different things down there to help, um, um, to help, uh, with the repeal of don't ask, don't tell. Mm -hmm. So I did a lot of speaking events for that. Nice. I, I do have to say, like, I, I know that like when I joined the military, I joined, um, probably like four years before don't ask, don't tell was repealed. But I do recognize that like, because of some of the experience that, like, you, Chief, probably had to go through and the, the world that, you know, the Army world that you grew up in and then you before me, like, I do recognize that people like you who, you know, showed up, did your job every day, slowly just by you being a hard worker and, and a, a team player and a just a solid service member and individual kind of set the tone to change perceptions and then on the legal side after all of this happened... You guys, like, fighting those fights on a daily basis and on a national scale, definitely, like, I'm sure for folks like us and, you know, myself and, and Lieutenant Lockhart, like, it just made it easier. Because, well, yeah, you know, some of those stories were in the back of my mind when I joined. But, you know, I, like I said, I never experienced, like, those kinds of hardships. And it's it's because of folks like you. So thank you. Oh, you know. You're welcome. It, it, and it was, it was simply that, I, you know, I had no other power other than the power of my story. And just going out and expressing myself and sh talking just like this about how it personally affected me um, and how it affects, you know, affected the readiness of the, of the military, losing somebody, um, you know, who was qualified in what they did. Um, and, and I was not alone. There were so many of us who were discharged on the Don't Ask, Don't Tell who were completely qualified to do what they, um, what they were um, trained to do. And they were, they were discharged. And that does not include, you know, those folks. I'm not including the folks who decided to get out before discharge out of fear of getting discharged. Mm -hmm. that, they could, that they could have retained. 
how how has it how has it been over the last you know several years of of seeing the progress like like do you guys look on it uh, um, fondly and like oh this is exciting or it's exciting I think it's exciting I think it's exciting for everybody else who can freely express themselves in today's military that for that I'm grateful um, for me it doesn't really matter anymore right because you know I'm going to retire at some point in the next couple of years and uh, I'll have done all I've, I can do for, you know, for myself in this career that I chose. Um, but it is exciting, and, and I'm really happy to be able to see that people can be themselves um, openly in the military today. And I don't know if we got part of your, a little bit of your story in the military. Oh, we, yeah, we did, but like... A little bit. Little, uh, another, another question, if you don't mind... Um, so you've enlisted, you know, 1978, nine, nine, and then, and, and you're still serving. What was it like? I mean, if you had to hide, uh, your, your private life at all and, and, and how is, how is, how was it? How was that for you? I guess. It was really difficult actually, because I, I couldn't, I couldn't bring myself to say he, right? As my spouse. I couldn't bring myself to say that, um, so I just wouldn't say anything. I would. I was just like, mom's the word. Like, you ask me about my family, I'll tell you about my mother, my father, my sister and brother, <laughs> mm-hmm. but I won't tell you about anything else, you know. I have a roommate at home. Um, I have a housemate at home. Mm-hmm. Um, I'd bring my housemate to events, um, but that was later on. That was probably like mid-90s um, because I got out of the regular army in 1990. I spent a year in Korea, 86, 87, and then 87 to 90 at Fort Lewis. And then I came to the Guard here. So I started my Guard, my Washington National Guard career mm-hmm. in January of 1990. And so that was just at the start of Don't Ask, Don't Tell. Mm-hmm. Um, so now I was away from the, you know, the, the active component, if you will, where there were, like, even in Korea in 86 and 87, I knew a lot of gay people. Matter of fact, our whole room was put together by an admin specialist in the orderly room that knew we were all of the same. But when we went out to the clubs or there was always CID be careful, CID's going to be out here tonight. They're, they're having a witch hunt. Um, be careful, CID's out there. So, you know, you'd kind of wa- you'd kind of have to watch yourself, you know, and what you're doing. And it was just, it was kind of crazy. Mm-hmm. But was it better when you got into the, in the National Guard, kind of some, some of the attitudes? From, well, from the only because members? your personal life isn't really exposed as much as it is on the active component side. Because you're doing everything together. I mean, you just you can't help but to know, and it's part of your leadership responsibility to know your soldier and their families, right? I mean, that is a part of the leadership responsibility. So, um, so you really didn't have to see me <laughs> much anymore, except for that one week in a month. But then when I became AGR, well, I had just some great leadership. I mean, so people knew. I just never talked about it. Everybody knew. I just never talked about it. Mm-hmm. 
and they no one ever no one ever did anything yeah that must have been really 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 difficult i can't imagine having to hide and then i, I can't help but notice that you know the differences in experience between you travis and and chief yeah. you know how you voluntarily told about yourself and then you having to hide it's just a just no way to exist, honestly. I mean, I just can't. I mean, can you imagine, imagine, like, being afraid of CID? Those guys don't. I know. I mean. They don't mess around. No. I can't <laughs> imagine, like, going to work and being like, oh, God, is CID here? Like, yeah. today's the day. <laughs> don't say anything. <laughs> don't do anything stupid, <laughs> you know? Well, and, or just being afraid of somebody overhearing you on a phone call. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. And it's as easy as that. Mm-hmm. Simple slip up, you know. Well, I'm excited about this month and I'm happy to be able to give you guys a voice all of you. So, hopefully we could do another one. Um, do you guys have any any anything else you want to add that we didn't talk about? I feel like I'm a survivor. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. I I mean like I really do. I feel like I'm I'm a survivor because I've lasted this long, yeah, and and I can actually see the day now where where it's acceptable. I remember. And so I I kind of often wonder, especially when I encounter other gay people in the military, like what you know your initial interaction is with people when they like, you know, especially in an environment where you're not supposed to talk about it, but they recognize you're gay, and then like somebody comes along and is like, hey, like, you know, that interaction of like you just need to like keep that on the side you know what i mean like because everybody's gotten that pep talk of like people are going to think certain things if you act a certain way or whatever like and like to give you an example like my my one of the first experiences i had in the military i remember a drill sergeant pulled all of the females in my training company aside and she had said and i'll never forget this she was like I'll I'll try to curb the language. Um, (laughs) She said, hey, look, females, you're in the military now, and the guys are going to be guys. Uh, They're going to think certain things about you. And if you're a female in the military, you can only be three things. You're either going to be a lesbian, uh, a B-I-T-C-H, or a slut, right? And those are the three categories that you'll be put into, so now you have to pick which one you are. And I just thought, like, okay, I'm gay. (laughs) Like, (laughs) I got it, right? Like, no big deal. But it, it kind of just struck me as this comment of, like, you know, people were actively, like, seeking out an opportunity to fit you into a box. And all three of them were negative things. Um, and, and, and the fact that, you know, being gay in the military was one of those negative things that, you know, you couldn't be. As one of the first things that was said to me in my military experience was just like, okay, right, so I'm just going to do whatever you tell me and 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 that's it you know there's no you can't add personality or cover color to this conversation you just need to do what you're told you know mm-hmm. um and i operate okay on that environment so i was fine but i know that's not the same for everybody i don't know i just wonder if any of you guys had any interactions like that where you know people just kind of tell you like hey keep it down like this is how it's got to be or that was just the not for me. No. No, it was it's always, you know, when I was in it, nobody knew and then um in, in fact, um as I was going through that year of discharge process and investigation, um the the three-star general that I that um, I worked for didn't believe me. So I had to then go from outing myself to proving it in a way. Um 
because he he said it's not I, funny, but like no, because he he thought I was doing it to to get the the half severance pay, oh. um, and so um, and so you know so the whole time I was in, nobody really knew, and um, and so I never had to experience you know you, know, you need to act a little bit differently. See, I think you just hit on something interesting that crosses over into the conversation of transgenders in the military, right? Trans people. Or trans people. (laughs) Trans, excuse me. Um, Because I remember when they were talking about making that that policy change and saying, Mm -hmm. you know, hey, you can go through this process, you can get your gender modifier uh, changed in deers. And a lot of people were saying, like, this was a concern that I heard from soldiers. I was a commander at the time, and they were like, well, you know, you're going to have people that, are, are males that want to be females so that they can, you know, it's easier for them to pass a PT test and stuff like that. It's kind of like you had to prove that you were gay so that you couldn't get some sort of benefit from, you know, getting out of the military at that time. Like, I mean, how do you respond to, to you know, that? Yeah. Like, There's all sorts of, like, medical gatekeeping for trans medical care, which is terrible. But, like, so... The sort of flip argument to that is, are you, are you going to have trans men transitioning so they can do better on the PT test? Because if you you take um, some uh, a trans man who hasn't started medically transitioning yet and start giving him testosterone, he's going to on that PT test. There's lots of sort of research to show that um, all of the, the physio, most of the physiological differences between um, men and women are accounted for by testosterone um people have been able to compete trans people have been able to compete in the olympics since like the like 2000 or the early 2000s and they've had that policy for a long time please someone name me a trans gold medalist in any men's or women's division i i I don't think there is one maybe i'm wrong but um yeah so like and then, like, what, what you were told at uh, basic training, it all, like, stems from, like, misogyny. Like, people, it just seems like people hate women is what is a lot of it. So, well, that's what I, I'm seeing. Well, we, yeah, well, we yeah, don't. Yeah. We don't. The, but. I think there's, there's that. <laughs> I think in the in the, like, the trans-athletic conversation, there's this whole, again, I people can't wrap their head around, like, we have consistently define this as male and this is female and certain expectations for each gender and so when they see someone i think you know that fits into a category that doesn't compute in their brain they automatically don't know how to articulate it and so they try to find all these other things to kind of have issues with well i don't have a problem with transgender people but it's not fair you know to hold this person who used to be a male to a female standard now and it, no it's not about it's fair it's you, you don't understand you know, or it's not fitting into that nice gender box that you've grown up with. No. Make your boxes bigger. Get bigger boxes. Go to Costco. <laughs> <laughs> they sell them in packs. You get a three-pack of boxes. You get one for each gender. Figure it out. <laughs> Wait, there's more genders than that, but that's what we can start with for now. So, yeah. Do you, yeah. do you, I don't mean to prolong this if anybody has to go, but I, I wonder, do you have an issue with, like, it's ingrained in the military, like, people calling, you know, sir or ma'am. Like, I know the Air Force uses, like, ranks when they address people. Like, do you... Um, like, so are you asking about, like, gender like, honorifics and stuff like that? Or... As somebody who has, you know, 
experience in, um, I guess, challenge people, challenging people's perspe- perception of like general normatives, right? Like, yeah. That like you're you now live in a world where where people have to you know identify you and like call you by like a certain gender right like sir ma'am you know right well there's like a difference between like gender identity and gender expression for me i am trying to align my gender identity and gender expression mm-hmm. um but i'm sure we're gonna we're, we're gonna start seeing more non-binary officers and things like that and there are like he him lesbians those are a thing so you might see more um uh, more women wanting to be called sir, which I think is like an also like a historical thing as well. That's I guess what I have to say is gender identity and gender expression and then sex are all different and then uh, uh, sexual preference, all these things are different. So um, di- treat different people differently and just be polite and if there's an issue, you can talk to them or if, if they personally have an issue with it, they'll tell you. That's what I do. Just be polite and treat people like people. I like it. The golden rule. Mm-hmm. It's, it's really easy. Yeah, don't be a <laughs> the why it's so hard. Well, one of the reasons why I was thinking about like that and, and asking that question is because I know historically people associate Pride Month with the the gay and lesbian community, and it's probably only within like the last fifteen to twenty years that you know we've we've been like okay, it's not just the gay and lesbian community; it's transgender, it's queer, it's um, you know. I think the the gay community in general uh, advertises itself as an inclusive group, so to exclude those groups would be not very inclusive of us. So um, I just think you have a very interesting perspective on, on stuff like that. I guess. Yeah. <laughs> so have you had a, 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 any kind of um, adverse experience since joining the military and going through transition? Um, I've been fairly... Fortunate. Well, I I um I deployed recently and got back almost a year ago and had a lot of like we talked about PTSD and mental health problems. I had a lot of that overseas and then kind of over that deployment I did a lot of figuring out myself. Um and then like came out to myself and came out to my leadership and started um, transitioning. Um so as far as problems interacting with people, I think it's just kind of the cultural zeitgeist that has been more of a problem kind of like what we were just talking about on the picture it's like you see that and it's like okay well now i don't know who to trust with any issues um Mm -hmm. so as far as anything specific to me um from anyone no but it's just kind of. i feel like you're you know from a younger generation you know and it's things have been more inclusive lately you know and and so your experience might have been yeah i mean that's why it's so so important to be thankful to our queer elders. So thank you. <laughs> <laughs> he just made me elder, cool. elder. Oh my god. Oh my god. <laughs> well, I mean, ageism. That's ageism. Oh my god. <laughs> no, it's it's. I'm not discriminating. I'm thinking. I'm appreciating. Well, I if we ain't got nothing else to to chat about, I think we could wrap it up. Unless there's any last comments or last uh, bits of advice. I could talk about my story all day long, so I, I'll just limit it to this right now. So. Yeah, I'm sure you got a lot more to tell. But but thank you for joining me, and I can't wait to do it again. Okay. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you.